0: In USC's recent Global Communications report, we discover that most companies are uncomfortable speaking out about issues that are outside of their comfort zone. Although they recognize the growing influence of activism, only a small percentage report that they actually work with activist groups. However, those few who do understand that activism can be very beneficial for their brand. One of them is Ben & Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's flavor for activism goes back to its humble beginnings in a converted gas station in Vermont, where two socially conscious best friends opened an ice cream shop with extra scoops of peace and love. Its two founders designed their business to create social change, and in the process built a brand that places activism at the forefront of everything they do. Even in the frozen food aisle, Ben & Jerry's flavors like Justice Remixed and Pecan Resist are attached to a cause. So to say that activism is built into their DNA is an understatement, especially considering that they are one of the only companies with their own in-house activism department. Christopher Miller has been the head of global activism at the Ice Cream Company for the past seven years. A few months ago, following the killing of George Floyd, Chris drafted Ben and Jerry's statement in support of Black Lives Matter with the help of his activist partners. That statement went viral and was lauded as one of the most credible, thoughtful corporate perspectives on racial justice. George Floyd was murdered on a
1: Monday, and I think we started talking about the need to say something on Wednesday or Thursday and we have a weekly activism meeting. So this is my team uh, as well as some of my communications colleagues and my marketing colleagues. It was in that Friday morning meeting that we said, yeah, we got to do this and we want to get something up fairly quickly. We write this stuff in house. So I wrote the statement. I took the first stab at the draft and it ran through a series of concentric circles. So I shared it with my colleagues that are a part of the activism work. It then went to our who sit on the leadership team, the head of the social mission team. There is a, I think, a high level of trust within the team. You could imagine a process like that leading to a statement that being wordsmithed by everybody and you end up with the lowest common denominator. I think the statement was probably, by the time, from start to finish, it was 85% of that first draft. And so there wasn't a lot changed. That was started on a Friday, first draft Saturday. It was finalized on the Monday and posted Tuesday morning. So it was, given the complexity of the issues, it was a fairly quick process.
0: Welcome to PR Future, the podcast that delivers interesting insights into the dynamic world of public relations. Our first season takes a deep dive into new activism to better understand how activists are using PR tools to deliver powerful messages and how they can work more closely with corporate communications. Today we're talking with Chris about how he manages corporate activism at Ben and Jerry's and how his team helps the unorthodox ice cream giant leverage its values to make an impact on a global scale. I'm Fred Cook from the USC Center for Public Relations, and this is PR Future. There's been a lot written about Ben and Jerry's statement and reaction to Black Lives Matter and the protests of this summer and how other companies tried to do the same thing but had less experience working on these issues and less experience with activists and maybe didn't get it quite right. How do you benefit from having relationships with activist groups when it comes to a time like this summer? we were pretty clear both about
1: the language but as you may know we also highlighted four policy based solutions yeah. that we believe begin to move us you know in the right direction and so the other important part of this process was sharing the statement with our nonprofit civil society partners. We want to make sure that we get eyes on it from people who are on the front lines of this stuff, so that what we're doing is seen as being in service of those on the front lines. And, and that's a critical element of how a statement like this for us comes together. We have some level of in-house expertise and knowledge around these issues more broadly, around issues of police brutality, the need to reform the criminal justice system, et cetera. We also have had existing relationships and connections with groups on the ground working on these issues. We're closer probably than most to the way in which these issues and activists are sort of framing up the problems as well as what proposed solutions are. If I'm honest, what I think separated, broadly speaking, our approach from some of the other corporations that were subject to more criticism. I'm not sure it was rooted deeply in the fact that we had this history but I think it had more to do with the substance and approach of what we had to say. The companies that found themselves in the most uncomfortable places were not companies like ours that I think were willing to say what needed to be said. And it wasn't the companies that said nothing. It was the organizations and companies that tried to say something, but didn't want to offend anyone and tried to thread this kind of mushy middle. And I think that's where people get it wrong. This is an issue where we all have to be, get more uncomfortable right, in order to to kind of make the progress we need.
0: Chris, you have such an interesting job and, and an interesting career. It's not a traditional communications role. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how that led to working for Ben & Jerry's?
1: You know, Fred, I'm not a classically trained business guy. I don't have a degree in communications or an MBA. You know, my background is in policy and advocacy, and so the the sort of defining thread through my career is that I've worked in places that have allowed me to be a part of advocating for progressive social and environmental change. I started my career working for Bernie Sanders on Capitol Hill. Uh, and I spent a number of years uh, working for Greenpeace U.S., leading their U.S. climate change campaign. And I, I made the jump from Greenpeace to the private sector in worked at Seventh Generation, which is a company, you know, while the products are very different, has a similar approach to doing business. And so I began this idea of working within the context of a for-profit corporation, but trying to use the tools and techniques and resources that exist within a for-profit company to advance social change. And I jumped to Ben and Jerry's about seven years ago. Uh, They created a position specifically focused on uh, building strategies to advance their activism campaigns.
0: Now, do you know of any other companies that have a director of activism who has a staff like yours? Is that unique to Ben and Jerry's? In terms of the size of the team, I think we're probably unique. We are beginning to see
1: a number of companies begin to engage more in this idea of sort of consumer or citizen facing advocacy. Patagonia is a company that's played in this space for some time. My previous employer, Seventh Generation, also plays in this space and just about two years or so ago they poach somebody from Greenpeace that now leads their advocacy work. Lush Cosmetics, they've hired somebody from civil society who's got a, a not-for-profit background that leads their ethical campaign work. So I think you're beginning to see more of this, which is companies bringing in people who come from civil society, who have background in advocacy policy and campaigning to kind of lead this work within the corporate context.
0: And what do you find is the main difference between working for an NGO and working for a a corporation? And Ben & Jerry's is owned by Unilever, which is a very big company. The first half of my career,
1: I was focused on corporations as bad actors, right? As sort of forces of advancing their own narrow self-interest at the expense often of the greater good. The same was true in my work at Greenpeace. We were focused on fossil fuel companies that were denying the existence of climate change, that were funding policy that were obscuring the science. What I liked about the idea of coming to work at, at a company is this idea that companies have great power and influence. and so. I wanted to be a part of helping build strategies that allow corporations to exert that influence, not just in their own narrow self-interest, but in service of advancing change in the world. And what I came to understand and believe strongly today is that the idea of selling a pint of chunky monkey ice cream is not profoundly different than selling the idea or concept that our nation's criminal justice system needs reform. And I happened to work with some of the best marketers and communicators in the corporate world, world-class team. When I was at Greenpeace, I worked with dedicated activists who believe very strongly in the need to act on climate change, to protect our oceans, to get toxics out of products. However, I didn't have access to the kind of talent that I have at Ben & Jerry's mm-hmm. in terms of really how to test, scale, to to build a strategy off of consumer insights and the scope and scale of the budgets that we have at Ben & Jerry's to communicate, frankly, dwarfs what we had uh, when I was working in the not-for-profit sector. So for all those reasons, I think there is a huge opportunity for companies to do this work. And it's been a wonderful experience to kind of help drive that at Ben & Jerry's.
0: We found in our survey that one of the main reasons for the increase of activism is the lack of performance and faith in the government and that people are looking more to businesses to fill that gap. Do you see the same thing from your perspective now that you're on the business side, that there is a place for corporations to come in where maybe government has failed?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I honestly I wish that that weren't true. I wish, you know, that citizens weren't looking to companies like Ben and Jerry's to to be beacons or advocates for the kind of change we need in the world. I I wish we had more faith and trust in the institutions of our government. But to your point, that is not true and that for better or for worse and it's often for worse. Corporations are the most powerful entities within society, you know? And so That is both a curse because often these companies are working in their narrow self-interest, but it is also an opportunity to harness that in service of the kinds of change that people are calling for. And I think it's important for companies to step up and, and to be proper corporate citizens.
0: And in that role, Ben and Jerry's is seen by many as the gold standard in terms of their commitment to social causes. And it's an ice cream company, you know, which really doesn't have to do any of those things. so how do you see that from a historical point of view? How did Ben and Jerry's become the kind of company that it is today?
1: Ben and Jerry tell a story that they started this company because they like to hang out with each other and they like to eat. and so they figured, let's start an ice cream company. And what happened sort of two, three years into the business is they were ending up because of the success of the business doing less of what they loved doing, which was hanging out together, eating and making ice cream, and more of the things that go with running your own business, and that's hiring and firing and thinking about distribution. And Ben feared he was becoming everything that he sort of loathed about businessmen. He was becoming a businessman. This restaurateur, this mentor, Ben's, said to Ben, Ben, if you don't like the way businesses run, change the way you run your business. And I think that was the moment at which Ben understood that he could do things differently. And he and Jerry were sort of pioneers. They rode this first wave of what was a kind of revolution in corporate social responsibility. That really began this idea that Ben had that through the day-to-day operations of the business and through the connections that the brand has with its consumers, its fans, that those things could be used to advance the change that they sought to make in the world. And that really began the model. And what I would say about it is that not only did Ben passionately believe that the business and and the business model could be used to advance change, but he chose to start a for-profit company. He believes very deeply that this model, this way of doing business also builds a very powerful and strong business. So despite the controversial positions that we've taken over the years, this company has grown consistently year over year for 42 years.
0: But you have a CEO with Matthew McCarthy that seems to be very much in their mold, an activist CEO that seems to follow in their footsteps. Is that true?
1: That's correct. Uh, Our current CEO, Matthew McCarthy, he's a career Unilever guy, but a guy that's very much values aligned and has been a big supporter of the way we do business. And finding the right person to lead a company like Ben & Jerry's is not easy. You, You need someone that has real business acumen. We're a large global multinational ice cream company that operates in You know, 40 countries around the world. But we also need somebody that's not risk averse, that's willing to kind of lean into these issues.
0: And your social mission is so ingrained in what you do. How do you evaluate how much that delivers for the brand? There's sort of a famous quote that
1: Ben has that the strongest bonds that you can create with your customers is around a shared set of values. And so I think what we understand is, is that this work does build strong connections with our consumers. It makes our fans and customers much more likely to be loyal to our brand, less likely to you know, trade us for Haagen-Dazs when they're on sale. Having said that, we never ever think about that when we're designing the work that we do. So we contrast our approach to what would be a typical cause-related marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. And that's, if I'm honest, that's what most corporations, how they sort of move around in this space. And how that typically works is the brand will identify their consumer base. They will look for a issue or cause that resonates with their consumer base, and then they'll build a campaign around that to emotionally connect with that consumer base around that entry. In our case, we always start not with what is our consumer and what do they care about? We start with what are our values? What do we care about? What's the change we seek to make in the world? And then we want to design campaigns that emotionally connect with our consumer base so that they join us in taking action to make change in the world. And what we know is when we nail that, we can do a couple of things. One, we can we can have a real impact on the world, but we also drive this connection around a shared set of values that drives loyalty and brand equity. And so if we were solving for the first thing, yes. we wouldn't drive impact. And so that really is the magic approach I think we try and leverage at Ben & Jerry's.
0: It's a very important distinction, I think, that you just made. And in that case, though, with all of the different issues facing humanity today, how do you at Ben and Jerry's decide which ones to engage with and which ones to to leave alone?
1: That's the question I think we're asked more than anything else. Why is an ice cream company focused on criminal justice reform? And I think it is as much art as science. I think you know, when we step back, we don't want to invent a cause or an issue. Uh, our approach is to work with progressive, Partners and allies, and we want to bring our unique set of tools as a a for-profit ice cream company. We want to put them in service of the strategies of partners, allies, and those on the front lines. We don't pretend to be experts on how best to reform the criminal justice system, or, or for that matter, the best policies to speed the transition to a low-carbon economy. We lean on our partners. We want to support their strategies to do that. We want to work on issues that are top of mind that are, that are broadly relevant in the world and that we think we can help push towards a tipping point.
0: And you even incorporate the flavors, the ice cream flavors in the process. How do you do that?
1: For our campaigns, we often have a campaign-related flavor. So we have a flavor at the moment called Justice Remix that is about our campaign to reform the criminal justice system. And, you know, it it highlights our partner, the Advancement Project on the pack. It talks a little briefly about the issue. You know, as an ice cream company, one of our loudest voices are our ice cream flavors. And it's kind of a little bit of the kind of magic or jujitsu that we do. When we launch an ice cream flavor, it typically doesn't get Covered in the places that would traditionally discuss the need to reform the criminal justice system. You know, (laughs) it gets covered in Eater and Delish and food and wine with influencers who love ice cream and food. And so we're able to inject the issues that we care about that are the focus of these campaign flavors into non-traditional media outlets. And so we're able to reach and touch people that our partner, the Advancement Project, would not typically reach. And so it's kind of part of the magic of what we do. And I think there is something magic about ice cream. And while I think any company can do this, we did advocacy and activism at Seventh Generation. Doing it with ice cream, it opens people up. It puts a smile on people's face. And it is a magic product. And it is an asset in doing this work.
0: How many different topics are in your portfolio on an ongoing basis?
1: I would say we have sort of a 70-30 split. 70% is sort of the priority campaign that we're working on in a region. So in the U.S., as I suggested, we're focused on the need to reform our nation's criminal justice system because of the disproportionate impacts it has on people of color. But we're also engaged in a whole host of issues. We're running up into what is likely to be one of the most important elections in in my lifetime. We'll be deeply engaged in engaging young, low-propensity voters around the need to turn out. We absolutely care very deeply about our climate and the future of the planet and remain engaged on climate change. We've been advocates over the last few weeks in support of ensuring that the Postal Service remains funded so that we can not have to sacrifice our health for a free and fair election. 70% of our time, we're kind of focused on driving the strategy of the priority campaign that we're working on. And we've been working on criminal justice reform for the last two and a half years. That work will continue beyond the election. We remain engaged with a broad constellation of organizations and activists on a host of issues. And we support those issues when and where it makes sense.
0: We did a survey on activism at USC recently, and we surveyed communicators, people in public relations at corporations and agencies, and all of them agreed that activism was becoming more and more influential in society. But when we asked them how many intended to work with an activist group in the coming year, the number was surprisingly low in the teens. And you work with so many. Why do you think that so many companies don't engage activist groups in their ongoing efforts? I
1: just think it's a way of working that corporations aren't used to. Typically their interactions with NGOs or civil society groups are when they're on the defensive, when yes. groups are targeting corporations. And so I think a traditional way of corporate engagement with not-for-profits is philanthropy, right? right? Is cutting a check and giving money through corporate foundations or, when it is tied to some sort of cause-related marketing campaign that often typically spins off a contribution to the partnering not-for-profit. I think the Unlock is really a true partnership because look, the not-for-profit sector can always use more resources and more funding, right? That's just true, and so it's always good to support with money. Bringing our world-class marketing team, our insights and knowledge around how to target on digital and social media channels, how to buy traditional forms of media to influence certain segments, like bringing that to bear on a relatively small and grassroots coalition of activists and organizations adds an incredible amount of value. Most companies are on the defensive when they sit across the table from NGOs. And I think part of this has to be getting more comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, You know, We're not perfect at Ben and Jerry's. We worked on climate change for a bunch of years. We're a dairy company. We have a sizable carbon footprint. And I think you can be advocates for change without being perfect. And I think, you know, Sort of being transparent and honest is is a part of how you develop and cultivate those relationships.
0: How diverse is your team?
1: So, in terms of the U.S. activism team, it is myself and my colleague Jabari Paul who joined us about two and a half years ago. His background is in civil rights and racial justice advocacy. I will then also tell you that you know the rest of our team, and frankly, most of the rest of our company is a pretty white company our company is headquartered in you know south burlington vermont and so our company looks very similar to the community in which we're based Mm and so we have work to do there what i will say is i think inherent in the the stakeholder network and universe that we operate in is a very diverse group of people activists and groups that really as i said we take the lead on this kind of strategy and see ourselves as simply helping advance their approach.
0: Even Chris was surprised by the level of attention that Ben and Jerry's most recent statement in support of Black Lives Matter received. His metrics show that those who viewed it spent seven minutes on their website compared to their typical time of about 75 seconds. But Chris says metrics aren't what's important to the company or to his team.
1: There are moments in time when it is important to stand and be counted. And I think we feel like this was one of those moments and it was important to do that. You know, we're a for-profit ice cream company. We measure the impact of everything. We got 8,000 different metrics and KPIs that we could look at in terms of reach and engagement and scale, like all of those things. And of course, we've got decks that tell us how it performed, but I can tell you that when we designed this work, when we were writing that statement, no one was thinking about any of that that was not at all a part of the sort of calculation here the question was how do we as a company say what needs to be said how do we put our company on record and this is an issue that is different than let's say climate change for example companies that talk a lot about climate change often get accused of of kind of greenwashing talking about climate change is not taking action on climate change on these issues around race Words matter. Saying things and acknowledging our past and acknowledging that, you know, what happened in Minneapolis was not the result of a bad apple. It's the result of a a structural problem. Like, that's actually a part
0: of how we begin to confront Mm -hmm. and deal with these issues. And I think if we did our survey now, there'd be a lot of companies who would be much more progressive about this than they were a few months ago. And I wonder... What advice do you give to other corporations who are sort of putting their foot in the water of activism and they may be a little nervous about it? What do you suggest or recommend to them based on your own experience? Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Be bold. Right, that mushy middle
1: is a dangerous place to be. You know, I, I've heard again Ben say this before. If you're not getting blowback, a controversy around something, it's probably not something worth doing. And I think, whatever it is that you do, you want to root it in something real and that's yours. Where you get in the danger zone with this cause-related marketing stuff when you attempt to appropriate an issue or a value that's not necessarily ingrained in you or your company or your organization. Companies are groups of people and people believe things and have values. And so I think you wanna root whatever it is you're doing in something real and something ownable. And I think if you do those things, it sets you up to do this in a way that's authentic and credible. And ultimately at the end of the day, that's what you want. It's not that you don't piss anybody off. It's that when you do something, you do something that is seen as credible and authentic. Like, I'm happy to have someone disagree with our point of view on something. I don't want someone to question why we're doing it, Right. to, to suggest that we're trying to sell ice cream or we're trying to be clever, right? So I think those three things kind of set you up to do this in a way that's credible and authentic.
0: Where do you think this is headed from the corporate point of view? Do you think a lot more companies are going to be delving into social responsibility the way Ben and Jerry's has? Increasingly, corporations
1: and brands are going to be looked to for kind of leadership on some of the social issues that our society faces. So, I expect that that will continue and accelerate. And what I would like our job to be at Ben & Jerry's is to really continue to push the edge of the envelope to define what it means to be a corporate advocate for progressive social change in the world.
0: We have a big election on the horizon. From your perspective and Ben and & Jerry's perspective, what does the future look like?
1: I am an eternal optimist.
0: I believe that you know we are
1: on a long march to being better people in a better society. I think we have great challenges ahead of us and I'm hopeful and optimistic that the better angels among us will sort of lead us to the place we need to go. And so I think these are challenging times, both politically and culturally and from a public health point of view. And I think people are resilient. I'm hopeful both for our business that we'll continue to be a catalyst and a voice for change in the world I'm optimistic that our company will continue to grow and expand our business and therefore our influence. And, you know, and I'm hopeful that we're going to come out of the other side of this election, you know, a place that's going to set us up to continue that kind of long march towards justice.
0: On September 15th, Ben and Jerry's is launching a podcast series called Who We Are. It chronicles the history of racism in America. Like Chris, We're hopeful that more companies will take a page from their playbook and make purpose central to their mission so that someday they too will need an entire department to manage their activist efforts. Through connecting their values directly to their product and unabashedly standing up for what they believe in, Ben & Jerry's will continue to be a leading voice for change for decades to come. Thanks for tuning in to PR Future, a progressive podcast created for PR professionals by PR professionals. To learn more, tap the link in show notes to download your copy of New Activism. And subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode was produced and recorded remotely in Los Angeles by Ron Antoinette and Zazu Lippert with production support from Anthony Baca, Michael Bronstein, and Sarah Latman, all from the USC Center for Public Relations. And I'm your host, Fred Cook, and this is PR Future.